the sun. For millions of years, the source of life. But for one planet, the source of its demise. The temperatures climbed. The vast fields of ice at its poles melted and the oceans rose. Centuries later, few people remain on this planet once called Earth. everyone welcome to episode 97 of vague zone i am one of your hosts thomas and i am daniel and we are continuing our journey through the mad max franchise with a detour chosen by daniel we're talking about mm-hmm. Waterworld, and today we are returning oh, sorry today we are continuing our coverage of the mad max franchise with the detour chosen by daniel we're talking about 1995's Waterworld, and with us is special guest aj who has been on the show before welcome back thank you for having me back i appreciate it yeah absolutely uh, I want to clarify one thing. Sure. This was not my choice. This was AJ's choice. Oh, okay. <laughs> he texted <Cool>. me. <laughs> he texted me and he was like, you got to let me know if you're going to do Waterworld. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do it. Come on. Sweet. Right <laughs> so, on. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I was like, this is an interesting choice. It was, it's kind of like definitely in the sphere of post-apocalyptic movies. But I was like, I was like, I don't know if we're going to, if we're going to take that dive. Uh, no pun intended. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, you can pair this movie with a nice uh, bottle of water, maybe some tap if you have some. It pairs nicely. So yeah, let's uh, dive into it. Uh, I guess let's go with our guest. Why did you choose Waterworld, and what did you think about it upon rewatch? Well, I think it's kind of hard to have a conversation about movies like um, Mad Max and and Road Warrior and not talk about this movie that is really a direct rip off of those things and Absolutely. and really i wanted to get your guys's kind of discussion going on it because i think it's the kind of movie you either love it or you hate it and um <laughs> i, I could kind of tell by the way daniel broached it that he's maybe more in the hating camp but man like this movie's very frustrating to me because there's a lot of things that i really like about it even though i was very kind of slow to coming around to those things but you can just see that it, it is very much like an imperfect kind of work where even though there's a lot that I like, there's a lot of times where I'm rolling my eyes watching it, but I think it's a fun movie. And so I think it's a fun movie to talk about too. <laughs> awesome. Oh, and Daniel, actually, before we get really into it, you want to read us the IMDb synopsis sure, of it. Yeah. So in a future where the polar ice caps have melted and earth is almost entirely submerged, a muted, a mutated mariner fights starvation and outlaw smokers and reluctantly helps a woman and a young girl try to find dry land. Um, yes. So, AJ, uh, y- y- you said you could tell from my smile that I am probably in the hated camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that as soon as I finish watching this, I ordered the Blu-ray because I, I want to see the Ulysses cut, yes. which is like the extended version. There's an extended version of this that was... Um, Oh, okay. So, so there's the theatrical cut, and then there was the TV edit, which added 40 additional minutes. But those 40 additional minutes were censored because it's for television. What uh, some fan did was they put together this quote-unquote Ulysses cut, which was uh, taking all of that TV footage and basically unediting it. Uh, so it was no longer censored. Um, and so you end up with this long extended edition 
and Arrow Video uh, actually released that on a Blu-ray. Uh, so it is like one of the few fan edits that has been received an official release, uh, which awesome. I think is pretty fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm I'm a fan of water. <laughs> yes, we got. One. I wasn't expecting to be, but I'm a fan of water. Oh goodness, uh, Thomas, what about you? Uh, I was not a fan of this movie, but <laughs> I think the reasons are a little, are slightly biased, just for dumb reasons. As I was watching it, and I'll just say this straight up: I think it's a little grotesque at times. I'm not a fan of the close-ups of the gilled feet, or not the webbed feet, the gills <laughs> behind Kevin Costner's ears, and even. Um, our, our villain, uh, his eye, like, yeah, it's like, uh, Dennis Hopper, yeah, his, his, like, I, we get some shots of the eye that, like, really kind of just were getting to me on, a, like, a physical level, which I don't like, and I was questioning myself because I'm like, yo, like, I'm fine with Cronenberg body horror, yeah, like, movies insane. like Salt, like, horror, shit where terrible things happen to the human body, but in this case, just seeing that weird, uncanny valley for those particular shots really, like, kind of got to me, and I was like, this is like just a childhood thing. I think I don't know. I might have saw like just some weird images of fish or something on the internet, or something dumb like that. It's been like this just makes me feel like grossed out in a way that I can't put my finger on. But besides that, this movie has a reputation for being one of the most expensive movies ever made at its time. And if Dan, if it doesn't show up on screen, there's just so many like gadgets and yeah. like set design and like just crazy shit that just happens. Like the jet skis being weighted underwater and then when they do the ambush they like pop up and like it's just just crazy shit that just it's incredible like, yeah <laughs> yeah there's so much stuff in this i'm like okay that like clearly there's just so much money on the screen here that it's hard to not just really enjoy this but yeah it's also a, just a very blatant mad max ripoff and i'm not a big fan of the mariner i think the mariner is a very a pale comparison to our boy max Ratatan whatever his yeah, name is max rocketansky uh, rock rocketansky yeah, because I think they do a lot of those things a lot better where he's he's silent. He's kind of, you know, this really hard figure of the wasteland. He represents, like, just this, this survival. But also, like, this Mariner, he's kind of modeled after that. But he's not he's not a good guy. Like, you know, he throws Enola into the ocean at one point. At some point, he sells the women for paper. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, he really trades the women for paper, which I wasn't really into. Yeah, he's just, like, not a likable guy. So I think because of that, I walked away being like, I don't know if I could have sat through another 40 minutes of this, but I'm, I'm, I'm always open to it. I'm optimistic. I think if there was more stuff with the land or more, I don't know, fleshed out, you know, they just flesh things out a little bit more, I think I probably would be into it, but... I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 weird. This is a weird one for me. Yeah, I feel like um, you couldn't make this movie in this way today. Like the fact that they threw so much money at this movie to to get it made, uh, and it was an unproven property. And like I, mm -hmm. I get it that that uh, Kevin Costner was a pretty big star, but it, it wasn't like he was uh, yeah. foolproof. Like I think he had done Wyatt Earp or something like that, like uh, the year before this one, and that one had bombed. So it wasn't like it was a guaranteed money maker, but they did it anyways. And the fact that it did come in that period of time where. Like, yeah, Jurassic Park had come out, and, and you did start to see more computer-generated effects, mm -hmm. but this movie didn't have a lot of that. In, in fact, the ones that they do use for the computer-generated effects were terrible-looking. Yeah, it looks shitty. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. it just got awful. But, but, man, like, the practical stunts and effects are just they're mind-boggling cool and and i love that yeah you know whoever shot it i didn't look and see but i, I think it might have been the same maybe dp who did one of the mad max movies i could be wrong about that um 
like they, they just pull back the action a lot. And so you get these awesome wide angle shots of like things going on and you do get a sense of like, holy shit, they actually built that set and like they're using it to its full extent and you're able to see all of it yeah. in camera. Like you don't see that in movies these days. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, you also don't see very unlikable main, you know, protagonists like we have in Kevin Costner. I guess maybe he was, I heard something he was going through a divorce at the time or yeah, something and that. so it maybe played into the more stoic nature of the character regardless it doesn't work well here but I do kind of like that like he does have a little bit of an arc and you, he he does come around to that same girl mm-hmm. who he threw off the boat and stuff like that yeah um yeah. But yeah, like it's all spectacle, baby, and I'm there for it. Like we don't have enough of that, and you know sometimes you swing for the fences and you miss. This one misses, but man, they they tried it. They tried it, man. Okay, so I I was just looking up. You brought up the cinematographer. It is the cinematographer who shot Road Warrior and uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, but I have to mention because something that I kept thinking about while watching this was another movie shot by the same cinematographer. Super Mario Brothers the movie. Oh man. <laughs> oh really? I don't okay. there's some I think there's something about like the sort of post-apocalyptic weird vibe that like and it it's you know kind of shitty. It's not polished at all. There's nothing sleek and sexy about the future mm-hmm. <laughs> that is being presented by these movies. Yeah, which uh, is good. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, and uh I don't know. There's something about those two movies that really gel together for me. Wow, um, man! Now that makes right. me want to go back and rewatch Super Mario Bros. But but then this uh, yeah, this yeah, cin- <laughs> the cinematographer has worked on fucking everything though. They worked on Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. <laughs> okay. They worked on <laughs> uh, Apocalypto. Oh, I love Apocalypto. Uh, Dances with Wolves, like Bruce Almighty, like they're they're at Triple X. Their uh, filmography is all over the fucking place. Damn, that's wow. rad. Yeah. Okay, I just gotta add, what do you think about, what do both of you think about, like, the very spectacular sequence of the smokers raiding the atoll when we, like, when he finally gets there? there there's a little bit of backstory, he kind of, like, he's out on the seas, there's, like, we established some rules of trading, but he mm-hmm. finds this, like, little society, and he goes in there, and he proceeds to trade, he has, I think my favorite line in the in the movie is, like, I want those shit. Uh, I think he says, "I want them shelves." <laughs> he's like just, he's oh, yeah. like just desperate for anything, and I just, I just really like that. I want to say that the next time I go into a Target. Um, so <laughs> what, what do you think of? What do you think about like when the smokers like ambush this like little like I think it's an atoll. What they call it? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about that? Because I think it was pretty fucking spectacular. You want to go first? Uh, yeah, I will because that's like my favorite part of the whole movie, and it's a shame that it happens so early in it. Because like, yeah, I like a lot of stuff that happens later in the movie, but that's to me the high point. And one thing that I noticed, yeah. I'd, I'd watched this movie a couple times before, but one thing I, I never really noticed until this viewing was that there's this really cool shot, and it almost reminds me of like a Fury Road shot that's similar, where even before that action happens, you have this like shot of the sun coming up over the horizon and you just see all the smokers and then it it cuts back to the atoll and like you know that they're coming but even though you know you don't really have any context other than that one shot but it's just such a cool you know it makes you feel a little uneasy like oh man something's gonna happen here and um and and, and my one of my other favorite shots during the battle is where i think it's it must be a helicopter shot or something where you see the all the jet skis and all the the smoker watercraft kind of like going around the atoll and you see all the action taking place and again if that were a movie made today they wouldn't have built that set they wouldn't have have done those stunts yeah. it would be a cg and the fact that it's not here like 
I just don't, you know, the only other movie I could compare a shot of that scope and magnitude to would be like Lawrence of Arabia or something. And I, yeah, I can't believe I'm talking about Lawrence of Arabia and Waterworld <laughs> in the same sentence, but it's the truth. Like, I don't know. I think that there's those, you know, quantity has a quality all its own. And the fact that there is such a big moment happening all on the screen at one time, like it's breathtaking and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um. So yeah, on, so I find it incredibly impressive that this is a practical set that this is actually shot on the water like it it just feels like a filmmaking like nightmare and miracle <laughs> um but like also i kind of think this scene is a mess <laughs> like like you're saying it's like uh one of the high points of the movie i i feel like the way it's edited like there's incredible stunts happening you have these jet skis jumping over the walls and all this shit and it just kind of feels like a lot of noise to me like uh, it's a little overwhelming. Like there's too many different things happening at once, and none of it. Flag guys. <laughs> and like none of the things that are happening involve characters we care about because the Mariner is trapped in a cage and he's like trying to get out of the mud, and then like Helen and Anola are like trying to you know get on some sort of aircraft, <laughs> and so no no one we care about is actually engaged with the action that's occurring. So it just feels like a kind of like a just a a bunch of chaos. Um, and it didn't. It didn't really work for me. <laughs> I could see that. I, I don't. Know. I think I appreciated their moments. Anola and uh, Helen sort of finding their way through it. I kind of like that. Yeah, it adds a nice little ticking clock to him being lowered into this yeah. like thing of like algae sewage or whatever it is, where to, to be recycled or whatever that. But water that does. is where that is the action sequence that we're in emotionally is like him in the mud. Like that's where we are engaged. Like all this other stuff is just like. It's a lot of really cool stuff, but it doesn't have anything to do with our focus, I feel like. Well, I, I, I agree, cause, cause, but I think, like, I don't really care about any of the main protagonists <laughs> of this movie to begin with. I, I think one character that does shine in that scene is Dennis Hopper, man. Dennis Hopper's deacon, yeah. like, that's your first introduction to him, and he's just so over-the-top and wild and cool. And, like, you know, the way he's kind of directing traffic and has all these weird guys around him is definitely Mad Max-ish. Um, but but kicked up a notch, and that's also the Mario Brothers link that I did. Completely oh my gosh! Right, Dennis right. Hopper. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Keep talking about Mario. Gonna have to <laughs> do that. Movie. He's, a, he's a fantastic villain who shows up in bad movies. Yeah, Speed. Right. You know, Waterworld, yeah. Mario Bros. Oh, I could go on. No, okay. Yeah, wait, uh, was this your first time watching this, guys? Was had you ever seen this movie before? This was my first time watching it. I'd seen some of it at a friend's house before. Um, I haven't. This is the first time I've like sat down and watched the beginning. Then. So, how did you feel about that very like introductory transition from the Universal logo, like going into the movie? Yes, Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. <laughs> yes. And also, it's funny because as soon as that shot happened, I was like, "This is beyond Thunderdome shot." But it's just, instead of a desert, <laughs> it's just an ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, because Beyond Thunderdome starts the same way. You see this huge desert landscape, and then you see very small, as we get closer and closer, it's Max with a bunch of camels. And this, it's like this wide open fucking ocean. Look how much space we have to shoot on. And then we have this little boat. And like I think they occupy different sides of the frame. So in a way, they're sort of like mirroring each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, cool. I think with the Universal logo, I think that adds up this a layer, a layer of meta-ness to it, where it's like, oh yeah, it's like, you're so used to, like, I imagine if you're in a theater in 95, it's like, oh yeah, we're used to, to doing that introduction to a movie, but then yeah, it shifts that into, oh, oh it's like the production uh, company or whatever 
switching into like the actual narrative of the movie. So I thought that was pretty rad. Um, it's just, it's a little small thing. Like I think it adds a nice little, you know, segue into just, <laughs> just the batshit craziness that we end up going into. It's also funny because where this, the way this movie like occupies our sort of cultural mind is we do talk about the production. <laughs> like we don't just talk about the narrative of the movie. We talk about how it's the most expensive movie and it was a box office bomb. And like, uh, all of like, it, it's funny that the movie blends the production logo with the movie that takes place. Yeah, because yeah. when we think of the movie, we are thinking of the production. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would think like, Oh yeah. It's just like, sorry, let me reset that. So my understanding before watching it and reading about it was that, oh, yeah, it's just like a big movie that just got more expensive as it went on. But it's like, no, they got hit by like multiple hurricanes. Like they got like, like nature was fighting back. And I think that it's like, bravo for the tenacity. God of like, did not <laughs> want this movie to happen. That's what, they, that's what they tell us in film school. There's like the universe doesn't want your movie to exist, but you have to just continue to go against that grain until it happens. And <laughs> Kevin Costner said, fuck it. Like, I, I'm going to to make Waterworld happen. And I think I, I kind of admire that a little bit. And yeah, the final result is honestly is pretty grand at a, like a very nice scale. And Daniel, you talked a lot in the Mad Max episodes about <clears throat> about lore building and that's one thing very present here we have like a new language that's sort of being spoken as opposed Portuguese. to english yeah they have like that going on like they're exchanging the currency called chits for for things but it's mostly it's kind of null because like there's been so much trading that there's not a lot of stuff to really trade for anymore the people yeah. are just trying to get like plants like you get like this tomato plant i thought that was really cool but uh, i want to know what you thought about yeah, uh, well, yeah. What do you think about like the like that trading aspect being like such a big part of it? Because I, like, I keep going back to like, like he wants this paper. They're trying to find like the stuff about this dry land, as much information as possible, and so he's willing to trade Anola and Helen away to get closer to that goal. Um, do you want to go ahead? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I... I like that, you know, you do get a sense of like the culture from the very beginning of that. Like, you know, in the very, you know, first couple scenes, he comes across another boat and then through the dialogue, you're able to understand like, oh yeah, like normally when two boats come across each other in the open water, like they trade something. And yeah. I don't know, I just, I, I, I like that there's that layer to it where they're like painting that picture without just bashing you over the head with it a little bit. Um yeah, I, I think it's cool. I like the, the, the patchwork level of like how things work. I think sometimes in this movie, and I don't know if it's because they were trying to sell toys and action figures or something, but sometimes like the gadgetry kind of gets a little bit too wild. Like I think there's a little too many shots <laughs> of like the Mariner's boat transforming into like whatever. Yeah. But like then you also have those little small moments where it's like you see his filtration device where he's peeing into it and then drinking the water from it. I think that's like the one of the first <laughs> yeah. things you see. It's, it's like, whoa, see. like <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. nuts. Like, dang, they really Went it's like there. this is our hero. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I do like like you know talking about the lore and the world building. I, I wish there was more of it. I'm really Daniel. Once you watch the Ulysses cut, like get back to us. Let us know if there's more of that stuff because <laughs> like yeah, I want to know more about this world. And yeah, I, I I think there's plenty of opportunities to tell other stories or bigger stories within it for sure. Um, I, my favorite aspect of world building is just the costumes. Like being able to look at the costumes and know that like okay, they're wearing fish skins <laughs> and yeah. uh and it's like i'm thinking to myself okay how are they threading it together and i'm like is it human hair like suddenly Ooh. like just being able to see the yeah, fish skin yeah. now i'm like my mind's doing all these different things to fill in the blanks 
Um, it's like the, the people... soda can rings on that yeah, one guy. Absolutely. Like, yeah, Yeah, the plastic rings. It's like, it's that's touching on like sort of the in, weird environmentalism of this movie. Yeah. Um, and people strapping like metal to themselves. Some people do have leather and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, where did they get this? Where is it coming from? There's an unusual amount of baseball caps towards <laughs> the end of this movie. <laughs> I'm like, how, how are they... Saying all that, yeah. This this movie does weird stuff with the world building, where it's it's we have a piss filtration system, and we have like trading and this language, as you've mentioned. But then it's also like, okay, why do they have so many cigarettes? Like, yeah. paper yeah. is this uh, expensive, uh, you know, elevated resource, but they're literally burning it with their tobacco. <laughs> um, That's a good point. So there's, it feels like there's some weird stuff where it's like, I don't know if all of this was thought out. Um, they have a television on uh, the uh, oil tanker mm-hmm. um, and it's working. There is still electricity. There are car batteries and stuff. And it's like, how is all of this stuff getting salvaged? I think I would have liked to know more about that. I don't think it's necessary to know more, but it does make me wonder. Um, I feel like the world building of this movie actually made me wonder more about uh, the Mad Max movies because it's like... Hmm. Waterworld, you know that the world that they're living in is... Uh, the, the world that existed before is just, you know, several meters down. <laughs> um, but with uh, Mad Max, it feels like there are such few remnants of the civilization that came before uh, that it, it this movie somehow made Mad Max seem stranger to me. Ah. Interesting. Yeah, I just want to mention the uh, the whole thing about the smokers because yeah, we talked about Mad Max and I mentioned that connection to Fallout. And so in Fallout, there has like this gang called the Smokers. I'm pretty sure where there's like they throw bombs. It's like they're like bomb heavy. That's kind of like what they're into. And that, that might be the Boomers. Uh, and I think there's the a, boomers, a yeah. I think there's a, a that might be wrong. But yeah, okay. So when they mentioned the Smokers, I was just like, okay, why are they called the Smokers? And then once we sort of they're literally the, smoking. Yeah, it's literally, it's like the Deacon. And I don't know. I think I made like a weird connection to like prison culture for some reason. When he's just like going through his ship and he's just like throwing cigarettes out to people and they're just like clamoring for it just like i don't know just any sort of stimulant that they can get their hands on it's like they're just like just really attached to it mm-hmm. well i was wondering if the smoking is supposed to be because like i said there's like a weird sort of environmentalism here uh i i heard that uh, uh the original script was also very religious i don't know if having our hero be like a water walker or something has anything to do with ah. that but um <laughs> Uh, or like a fish man and like the Jesus fish, uh, but um, fish Jesus. But I think having them smoke might be supposed to be like representative of like pollution. <laughs> like they are, just, they literally walk around creating pollution, which is what contributed to the melting of the ice caps in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, yeah, that's, I like that's that. my interpretation of it. I, I like that. I do. I like that connection. Uh, Thomas, you brought up Fallout, and like one thing that I like a comparison I always draw between this movie and Fallout three is like the the atoll at the beginning always reminds me of megaton for some reason i don't know if it's because yeah, it's like yeah. circular or there's like similar things going on there like you know conflicts that you come across in megaton and fallout three but like i can't help but think about it every time i watch those moments in this movie yeah absolutely have you played four uh no i haven't but it's on my short list yeah, so in four uh spoilers there is a uh... A encampment that's basically like a town on water essentially that's like really cool nice i don't remember the name of it and i don't know where it is so it's not that much of a spoiler but it, it is in the that's game. okay now one thing uh one other thing you know we brought up the oil tanker like 
I, I guess I didn't realize too until I was watching this movie uh, the most recent time that you don't actually know that they're on an oil tanker until the end. What did yeah, you guys yeah. think of that? Like, were you wondering when you're seeing him like driving around like a car, throwing cigarettes out? Like, where is this guy at? Yeah. Well, I mean, we do get a shot of him interacting with a man who is like inside of a pool of oil. What's the deal with um, that guy too? Like, yeah. is his whole life down there? He, he's just there. Yeah, he's just there to. He's the dipstick, basically. Oh, I like he's the best to, character in the movie. Yeah, I I do agree, Adrian. I think it is a little disorienting. Um, like even like watching this very carefully, uh, like he meets up with the group of survivors like the like our airship guy kind of sort of shows up and saves them which is really nice um i wish there was more of that airship guy maybe that's in the ulysses cut but like they go to their little like small group of boats and he's like okay i'm gonna go and like bring her back and so he sails to this area then he's like then he like gets to the edge of it and it looks like to me it was like it looks like ground when he's like climbing up the side of it and i was like oh like like Wait, then, then I had to really start thinking, like, okay, where is this possibly taking? Like, how big is this area? Is, like, is this, like, a small island? Like, I was really unclear about what it was. But then, yeah, we get this, the reveal that, yeah, he climbs up and, they, yeah, they're on this giant oil tanker. And, yeah, and I, I don't know. I think it's, it's appropriate. I think it's incredible that they have a rowing system. <laughs> like, that's how yeah. it's getting around. He says yeah. they'll row for, like, a month before they'll figure yeah. it out. Like, how are these people have enough, like, nutrition to row that long? Like, you know, there's just, just things just like incredible. that. Yeah. Just a badass villain. He's like, no, they're, they're going to do it because they have nothing to hope for. Even just my words is, is all that they need to sort of get them to this place. And, yeah, just the idea, like, he... The, the buildup of that is just really nice where he climbs up these holes and, on the side of it and you're like, okay, like what are these holes from? Like, is it just from battle? But then, you know, it's a practical use to, like, actually move this oil tanker through the ocean. And, yeah, no, just, again, the production value and the money is just all on screen, and it's just all practical and just looks fantastic. There's tons, like, you don't really get to see tons of extras like that mm-hmm. in movies anymore, where it's just, like, there's literally hundreds of people on, like, just clamoring for spam and just, like, covered in soot, and it looks great. Yeah, I think that's why so much of why I like this movie is it's like this movie is a miracle. Like it's not because it was the the most expensive fucking movie at the time. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, but uh, it's just it is at the borderline of like practical effects to like dipping into CG and like action epics like this just don't exist anymore. Like, yeah, it's got problems with its characters. Yeah, there's like a definitely a gender issue in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's like as just kind of a action, a silly action adventure movie that's probably appropriate for like teenagers. Uh, I think it's 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 a spectacle movie and it's doing its job. It's I, I, it works for me. And it's got yeah, America's it, favorite, uh, you know, actor slash musician Jack Black in it Jack as the, the plane pilot. So like, what's not to like? Which I'm pretty sure there's more of him in the Ulysses cut. There damn well better be. A great cameo. Adrian, I was going to ask, what do you think about the performances of Helen and Enola? Um, You know, I I never seen, I think her name's Jeannie or Jeanne Triplehorn. I never seen another movie with her. I I looked her up after because I was like, oh, I guess she's in Basic Instinct. Like, I've never seen that. Um, I, I like it, though. I like that they're not 
big name actors. Although with Enola, like I, I see her and I recognize the the girlfriend from uh, Napoleon Dynamite, and I can't unsee it. Oh, uh, okay. but one thing I liked about her character <laughs> is that again, if this movie had been made today, like she'd be a lot more smartass, you know, a lot a lot more more intelligent and more clever than the adults. And yeah, there are a couple moments where it's like okay, like she has that monologue as you're seeing the, the images of the Mariner like board the ship and and get to where he confronts the bad guys. But yeah, I love that. Yeah, I liked it too, and <laughs> and I like that like they don't overplay their hand with her, where she is kind of annoying and a brat like to the main character, but she's not annoying to the audience. Like a lot of like I feel like these days when you have a young character like that in a movie, <laughs> they just don't know how to write like kids. And so they're like, oh, the, the kid is going to be a kid, but they're going to have the, the smarts of an adult. And, and yeah. I, like kids aren't like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't enjoy that in movies, and it, it really takes me out of movies. Here, definitely a couple annoying things with her, but overall, I, 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 I like their presence, and I think it gives the, the protagonist you know, motivation, it gives him an arc, and it also kind of gives us a little bit of like that connection between this loner and then like the communities that are, we can kind of understand are still out there. I was glad he threw her in the water. <laughs> I was Brutal. Like, and like, maybe that speaks to uh, Kevin Costner's performance too, where I'm like, why would he put up with this? Just fucking get rid of this kid. Like where I like, I'm getting sucked into the mind of this character. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was glad he threw her in the water because it, it made sense to me as like a character choice. Um, yeah. That's then, one of those yeah. things where like, I like it, it definitely makes it clear that yes, he is a loner and he does not want to be sort of doing these kind of tasks of like saving people. But yeah, it makes it hard for me to like really relate yeah, to he's him. Not, but... He's not good. To... I think what <laughs> just throws yeah. her into the ocean Selling... and later it's established that there's fucking sea monsters. <laughs> like... Trading Helen for paper was the thing where I was like, oh, okay, I don't know how you're gonna come back from this. Yeah, yeah. And then they have a romance later. <laughs> like, how does that work? Yeah, that, that beat I'm not too crazy on because yeah. it's such a great, like, all this lost moment where, like, they take the girl, they destroy a ship. Literally, is like the perfect, like, end of act two going into act three moment. And then, and then they're like, oh, now we're going to, like, take this moment to have sex. And it just really didn't work for me because, yeah, it's like, just like. So I heard that uh, Kevin Costner and the director were butting heads and. Apparently, like, Joss Whedon was called in to, like, punch up the script at one point, and he said that he was mostly just giving Kevin Costner whatever he wanted. I'm wondering <laughs> if this was a Kevin Costner <laughs> scene. Yeah. Where he was I like, would... I need, I should fuck Helen. Yeah, like... I would assume. Yeah, there has to be. There's, like, that machismo that, like, sort of, it, like, it doesn't really happen in Mad Max, where it's, like, it, if, like, all of the sex in those movies is just very violent, and it's, like, on the side yeah. of rape. And so here it's, like, oh, it's, like, oh, like... I like I knew you didn't want me before, and then she's like, "Well, I kind of want you now." And it's just like, okay, like, like I, like I understand why you would want to do it, but it feels out of place if you're doing something that's supposed to be gritty. But yeah, going back to the whole Anola kind of like monologue thing, like there's this whole established thing like, oh, like you talk too much, you talk too much, and then we finally get this moment where she just kind of like starts rattling off this like incredible monologue about like how he is like he's like behind you in the shadows and like he will find you. It's just I thought it was such a like a great moment. Mm -hmm. Like oh yeah, like she does talk a lot, but also like she is very poetic and like on point with like saying 
saying why you should be afraid of this man, and I don't, it just really works. Super poetic. Like, yeah, what did she yeah. say? Like, he has no name, so death can't find him. Like, what? Yes. What kind of kid? But it, like, yeah. in the moment, you know, you're as she's saying that, you know, Kevin Costner's like doing all this cool shit in the the boat, and you're like, oh damn, like he's gonna go kick some ass. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, another side character I liked a lot was the. I think his name is the Nord in the castle, though they don't ever say his name. He's like the 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 mini boss, like the bad guy, henchman kind of uh, guy. Yeah. I don't know what it is about him in this movie. I've never seen that actor in any it other. Looks like movie. Highlander. Or something. Kind of does, right? <laughs> but I think like he's just so despicable and unlikable. But then like he has this kind of like accent to him and this bravado, like. I don't know. I, I can't think of another movie where I've seen a character like that, but he just works in this world. Like, he, you know, oh, like he's there, you know, he, he definitely is the guy that they send in to kind of be, you know, get the intel on the atoll beforehand, I, I, I like to imagine. But I love that guy, and I love how despicable he is and how hateable he is. And, uh, yeah, I, I wish I knew what other movies that guy was in because I'd totally watch him. Yeah, like, I was going to say, like, what do you think about the, the character of the like the, the the pilot of the airship who sort of like is there in the beginning and then kind of just very briefly shows up in the end. What do you think about sort of how that was integrated? Do you think that worked or not? Um, I I can't see that actor without thinking of the Green Mile because that was the first movie I've ever seen that guy and I've only seen him in a few things. Uh, um, but he's he plays a pretty prominent role in the Green Mile and he's almost like he sounds the same. He looks very similar. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like when you, you know, we're we're so used to movies where when you have someone who's a good guy kind of escape in an airship like that, you know they're going to come back, and you know it's probably going to be in this like ultimate moment of need. And I think that's part of the problem with, with you know, we're talking about things I don't like about this movie, where okay, if like most of the world, ninety nine point nine percent of it's covered with water, sometimes it does feel very small, and it's like well wait like how did they can go in any direction yeah yeah (laughs) but then also it's like extra big because how has nobody else found this dry land before and i i I don't think you can really have it both ways and have it work um but i mean the fact that he stuck out to you thomas like what do you think about him well i don't know i think just the way it was written was kind of peculiar where like there's this massive action sequence happening and then he like accidentally activates yeah. this ship, and then he like he gets on it, and he's like, "Sorry, this was an accident." <laughs> and, then, and then yeah, and then like when we have like I say, there's this all this lost moment, like we're about to interact three towards the end, and then like he's like, "Hey, I'm back," and it's just like okay, like <laughs> yeah. it just feels like really it's easy very to convenient. me. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, but also like as we mentioned, yeah, there's another cut where there's 40 more minutes of this movie, so we might be able to look and see where he possibly went during that time and so as i'm talking more about i'm getting more interested in going back and just watching those 40 minutes (laughs) you gonna order that arrow blu-ray um i have i'm gonna have to wait in until i get back into the states to see this or i might just have to just fucking rent it (laughs) we'll see um yeah i definitely after that character left and we had gone so far into the movie it definitely did occur to me at one point i was like was that character for nothing like was there any reason to have that because like literally all they did was like examine kevin costner uh and just like point out that he had gills and shit 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 we already knew so it didn't feel like he really contributed anything and then of yeah. course immediately after thinking that he shows up again um so yeah it that is definitely the part of the movie that feels most like this is an editing problem like something is is on in the editing room floor here um 
yeah, but, uh, maybe yeah. They, again they were just like, well, we need to have an air pilot because Mad Max had an air pilot, so it's, yeah. we we just need to have those mm-hmm. things. I think those are the two biggest flaws of this movie are, are the editing and the music, or the score. I, I don't think the score works. Like you know, you mm-hmm. think about that beginning scene where that guy steals some of the Mariner's stuff, and then he like. As the smokers show up, he, like, chases him down, and it's playing this, like, triumphant, heroic theme, and then, like, what do they do to the guy after Kevin Costner wrecks his boat? They freaking kill him, like, right there, and it's like, wait, what? Like, hang on, this was supposed to be, like, this PG-13, you know, action, swashbuckling romp, and they just murdered this guy, like, I get that it's a cruel world, but the music doesn't lend itself to that, and then the editing, like... There's times where, like, that that's an example of one. But then also, like, there's that awesome scene where um, they come across that platform and there's those people waving on it. And then you realize, like, oh, no, that's the smokers oh, yeah. with the bodies. And there's this trap that they set. You know, you mentioned the, the jet skis yeah. underwater, which is fantastic. It's a great scene. But then... Okay, they escape that, and what's the next thing they decide to do? Go underwater for hours on end so that the <laughs> yeah. bad guys can catch up to them? Like, wait, what? Like, there, there should be something in between those moments. That was something Ebert had mentioned in his review, because, like, he had mentioned that it feels like they're still within distance of the people they just ran away from. Yeah. <laughs> and then they decide to have a little... Yeah, let's just have a break right here. And it's a shame too, because that's a really cool scene where, like, I, I don't. Did they make it clear that it's Denver, that the city that they're going down to? Uh, I don't know. I didn't catch. That. I guess there's some buildings or something that are like recognizable on the Denver skyline. I didn't make that connection oh, okay. either. But thinking back, it's like whoa! Like you realize, like dang, the water level is really high. That's why there's that scene of them. There's a shot of them like going past like a ski slope. Because you're supposed to realize, like, that's, like, the top yeah. of a mountain that is yeah, underwater. Yeah. And I guess if you look into it, like, if the ice caps were to melt, there's no way that the water would get that high anyways. But it does conjure cool imagery of, like, that submarine, you know, smashed up against the buildings underwater. And you just yeah. wonder, like, how did this get here? How long has this stuff yeah. been down here for? Yeah. Long enough for someone to develop gills. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty intense. Uh, also, uh, just want to shout out to... Yeah, again, just the production value just being on screen. Like, the way he takes her down there is, like, the classic, like, uh, science experiment thing from, like, high school where, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show you that, like, yeah, like, air can sort of exist in this, like, uh, submerge when you submerge, like, an object, like a, you know, something with a dome or, like, a, like a some, just something with space in it. Like, that air can sort of continue to, like, be there. And I, I don't know, just, just stuff like that. It's like, okay, this is, this is just really cool just to kind of just see these things on, like, a really big yeah. scale. It reminded me of like Ponyo or like uh, like it had like a Miyazaki. I got definitely Miyazaki vibes with that yeah. shot and um, also with the the gunner in the atoll scene who looks like a pig because of his mask. Oh yeah, like that yeah. totally Parcoroso. made me think of like Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind or something like. Totally. Yeah, yeah. just like that that weird aesthetic. Um, yeah, I, I made a mental note of that because it stood out. Um, one thing I wish this movie would have taken from Mad Max is this movie has a character named Helen. Like, where's, like, the cool, like, toe cutter and, like, pig killer? And, like, where are all the people with the cool names? I guess it was supposed to be based off of the Helen of Troy, and I guess, and that's why it's called the yeah. Ulysses cut, is because she gives, oh. him, she tells him the story of Ulysses or something in, in the end of the of that cut. Um, mm-hmm. okay. So that's why her name is Helen, but you're absolutely right. Like, the coolest name we get is the Deacon, and other than that, like I, I looked through the list of names, they don't say a lot of characters' names. Yeah. And then the one, Mariner like the ones Mariner. that they have, it's like enforcer or something. Like, yeah. okay, that that's not really cool. Banker. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they were just so focused on just the incredible physical feat of doing it. They're like, okay, we don't have time to sit and brainstorm clever names. Like, let's just keep it bare bones simple, which I think it kind of works because, you know, it, it like there, there's remnants of these like cultures and things. Like, there's like little bits of it, but it's not like at the forefront. It's like they see it, like they go into the bottom of a ship and she's like, there's, she's like, there's so many things down there that are not of this world. And she kind of says it in this way that's like, it's just like, it's just awe-inspiring where it's like it's kind of stunning where it's like you don't really know like they're just so disconnected and I, I think that might be oh, I'm, I'm okay with that aspect of it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you guys so know I think it, yeah. oh sorry go ahead Thomas oh yeah so it kind of just ties into the like just the theatrical side and like the performance aspect of Mad Max where it's like like it starts off like post-apocalyptic but the time you get to fucking fury road there's guitarists hanging off of cars and shit like it's like it's it's going in such a different direction and so it's like yeah there's going to be like fantastic names and like just you know these larger than life characters but here it's like yeah like we're using bottles and pipes to refine our pee like we're like there's i have a tomato plant that's all i need like I, i just need a little bit of something to sort of get me to that next like buoy in the water or whatever and so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it being kind of, like, seemingly stripped down. I think that's more realistic. Yeah. What, what uh, did you well, guys... Oh, sorry, Daniel. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask what you were going to say. Um, so. What do you guys think about, like, the... Like, I, I, it definitely harkens back... I mean, I know this movie was before it, but it reminds me of Fury Road a lot with, like, the uh, villain's, like, obsession with this old captain. Like, a lot of his... You know, he's always like, yeah, holy yeah. Joe! You know, things like that. Like, what did you guys think of that? I'm honestly not sure what to make of that. I was like when as soon as we see the portrait and he's calling him captain and stuff, I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> like like what's going on here? Well, what's uh, interesting is that like so the, the 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 tanker that they're on is the Exxon Valdez. That's why they call it the yeah. D's all the time and and that yeah. was a tanker that I guess like crashed in the 80s up in Alaska and caused like a huge oil spill. So it plays a lot into like the environmental undertones of this movie, but mm-hmm. I, I I think the captain was like maybe drinking at the time or something like that when it crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But it's just like so funny that you know he's like immortalized here. He's almost like a religious figure. Um, yeah. I just, you know, it's one of those things in the movie that kind of shows its age and it shows like the time that it was made. But I, I love it. Like you, you don't see those realistic kind of caricatures in the Mad Max movies. Like there's no real figures in it, but we have this real figure, like a real guy who truly existed on this boat that he crashed. And it's all here in this movie. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's just so weird. And you don't see that a lot in movies like this. Yeah. I feel like the closest yeah, we get nice, is nice in... touch beyond thunderdome when they have the uh viewmaster and like we're seeing mm-hmm. a photo of a pilot and they're like mm-hmm. oh you're the pilot <laughs> like you're the pilot of the plane yeah um but yeah, yeah i think it, it's nice it adds to deacon to sort of shows that yeah like even though he is the supposed like leader or like trying to like get this tribe of people to this promised land it's like he is following like this ghost he is like sort of driven by this this like remnant of the past that is just like no longer there it's just a poster it's like it's really eerie is like i don't know i i, I dig it. it like one of those things that yeah, if there was more of it it would just make me like okay i think you need to ask more questions i just need to get more more film to sort of really answer those things mm-hmm. Did you feel like, do you feel like Fury Road learned anything from this movie or took any inspiration from this movie? 
That's a good question. I know we haven't watched Fury Road yet. Yeah, but, but we've all seen f- it. You know, we've all yeah. seen it. So I mean, yeah, yeah. like I, I, you know, I think back to that like sun sunrise shot. Like there's a shot just like that. It used yeah, in almost the, the same, same exact thought. way in, in Fury Road, and and I think the villains like are both. I know a lot of the Mad Max villains are definitely over the top. Like that's kind of that franchise's shtick, but like. I could see parallels between Dennis Hopper's Deacon and uh, what's the guy and Morton Joe um, in, in in Fury Road. Like, yeah, I, I do, I do think that there's some similarities there. I mean, there's they both are giving these speeches from up on high and then like throwing resources down. Like in, in this one, Dennis Hopper's throwing cigarettes down to his people, and versus a Morton Joe throwing water down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah there is that shot there was another shot in this that reminded me of fury road which i think is just like a quick someone like on a boat or something reacting to an explosion (laughs) uh like sort of like over the shoulder thing maybe there's only so many ways to shoot that but it felt like identical Uh, (laughs) there's only so many ways to do it yeah i'm not quite sure i have to rewatch fury road and then i think oh like and then also those connections yeah also both both movies have our hero like go out alone into the fog to like take care of business very good point <laughs> yeah, yeah. um oh, oh and one thing we didn't mention about this movie um which is like talk about like a problematic protagonist at the end of the movie spoiler alert he kills like a whole ship of people like basically a whole town of people he just blows it up um yeah. high body count. how many lives <laughs> did this explosion. man take did they all deserve that? I don't think so. I know. Maybe there were prisoners on that ship. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, pro- they're basically I'm happy, servants. I'm happy you brought this up because I mentioned our, our fellow inside of the uh, the oil tank sort of like counting this. I think um, another line in this movie that is absolutely loved is when like the flames are coming to him and he's like, oh, thank God. He's, like, he's just like happy that it's <laughs> over. It, like, it's weird that they sort of like play that moment for laughs because it is such a fucking morbid like thing that's happening. But I don't know. I just like, like just that little joke just like really works. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like if you're, if that's your job in this society, like of course, like when you see that like release coming, you're just like, fuck yeah. Like I'm like, I don't have to We're be dead. oil man anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think the villains are one of my favorite things about this movie. Just the, the, their inner workings, like the the way that they, the space that they inhabit, what they do. I guess like there's a mention of slavers too, like not just the smokers. Yeah. And I read that like they had the slavers in the script, uh, one of the 36 scripts that they wrote for this. Um, but um, I guess the sets got destroyed for the slavers, so they couldn't actually feature mm-hmm. them. And I think that's a damn shame because like I would love to see another like faction, you know, another villainous faction to this yeah i'd been also like to spend more time with like just the, the normal people because the normal people's rituals are fucking insane like they're dipping pe- like the dead into like this algae and they're calling it recycling and like there's like this very also really weird scene where like they offer the girl to him it's like we want your seed i was like holy shit like there's yeah. just there's just a lot going on here and I, I wanted to spend more time with these people to sort of get into their mindset a little bit more because yeah it's like they're starving there's no water there's like they're really just like scrapping for survival and uh, uh yeah like learning more about like the smokers and all these other people is cool but i think yeah focusing on the society would have been also just really interesting that's probably one of my favorite lines from the mariner too in that moment where he's like your people are dying. Like, it's just so like foreboding, you know? Um, He doesn't say a lot in the movie and a lot of what he says, you don't really remember, but that line stuck with me. I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think this movie would do better if it came out today? 
Um, I, I think it would do okay. I think it, it will, if it had that same sort of like PG-13 kind of level of violence and didn't get too over the top, I think it would still be able to sort of satisfy a lot of audiences. I think it's like just brutal enough to sort of be like on that like wide scale. And you can, you can show this to, you know, teenagers or kids and it wouldn't be like super intense like other, like, you know, it's not quite like The Road or something but like, like that where it's mm-hmm. very bleak and like, Critically, do we think it would do? Critically, because it was number one when it came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it actually did make a a box office bomb. What? Yeah, it has that reputation, but it actually made back its money. As the problem was, it just cost too much to make to begin with. I don't know. I I think critically, I I think a lot of the same issues. Like you know, we, we look at the production and critics. I think have a soft spot for production value like that, but. You're looking at yeah. story. You're looking at performances. You're looking for like how did how did this film affect you emotionally? And unfortunately, even though I love this movie, th- those things are a little left to be desired. So I don't know. You love this movie. Yeah, I think love. I do. I do. Honestly, <laughs> this is being recorded. I, I know. I'm happy to say I'm putting it on record, man. I love this movie. I think it like like I said, it exists in like a time and a space where it makes sense, kind of the circumstances behind why it is what it is. I do think, you know, if you're going to throw $175 million at this movie in the beginning of the 90s or the mid-90s, like, I would hope that you had a better script. Um, But, yeah, like, it's just such an anomaly. I remember not liking it before I'd seen it, and much like a lot of the critics felt, where it was like, oh, Waterworld, like, who likes that garbage, you know? (laughs) And then I caught it on TV for the first time, and I was just hooked, you know? I was like, oh, my gosh, I'll sit through the commercials and watch this. Like, why not? (laughs) Yeah, so... I think it has enough going for it, and, and, and there's a lot of things to like, a lot of things you don't see in any other movie. But yeah, I, I love this movie. It's up there for so, me. Oh, so you mentioned catching it on TV, AJ. Mm-hmm. So there's a, I was watching just like anything towards the end of like me being a Martinez. You know, I'm just like packing, getting ready. It was like fuck, fuck it, whatever's on TV, just let it play. Mm-hmm. And uh, one morning, I caught a glimpse of The Great Wall with Matt Damon, and that's another movie where it's just like. Uh, leading to it coming out, most people are like, this looks kind of fucking dumb. Like, this looks kind of stupid. But that, another movie, it was like, I don't know if it, like, made a profit, but, like, I don't know, like, it still had, you know, it's still able to come out, get released, and sort of have, like, some bit of, a, a like, a life. And so, I don't know. I think a movie like this would sort of fit in that category where it's like, as long as there is a face that we recognize and it's, like, a spectacle to a certain extent, people don't really give a shit about scripts. Like, you know, there's monsters attacking the Great Wall of China, like you know, and this white white savior at the center of it, and it's like this is it has its its issues, but like is it if it's fun and if it's big, like it might be profitable. So, mm-hmm. I think that if this were to come out today, it would kind of fit into that category where it might not be great critically, it might not make a ton of money, but overseas people might embrace it just because it's something that just it feels like a big movie should feel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a good point. I find it interesting. This movie has a 43% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> versus a 45% critic score. So, like, the audience liked it. Uh, less people in the audience liked it than than critics. That's, um, that is interesting yeah. to me. Especially Although it is the people who are willing to rate something on Rotten Tomatoes. True, so, true. Different yeah. audience. And, and the apparently the Universal Studios tie-in uh, show is, like, beloved. Like, it's got, like, this crazy following, which is, I think is weird, too, because yeah, I remember I going to Universal as a kid and seeing that and not getting it, like, not knowing what Waterworld was and not understanding the aesthetic and, like, loud and ugly and explosions. As a kid, I didn't understand it, but I think it's still there yeah. today, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah I think so. 
Also, I just looked it up. Uh, yeah, uh, the Great Wall budget was 150 million, and the return is 334 million. So, like, as bad as it looks, and as dumb as it looks, like some people truly like eat that shit up. <laughs> I think it, really love it, and I feel like it probably did better in China. No, Great Wall must have. I mean, I felt like that yeah. movie pandered to the, the Chinese, Chinese market. Director. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, you, just, you know, you just play this movie in a tropical area and you just let the money roll in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Apparently, this the production of this uh, going through the Wikipedia like raised the economy of Hawaii because there's yeah, so like much several money million in dollars. <laughs> yeah, they used up all the steel in the Hawaiian Islands. They had to extend the runway of uh, I think it's like the one of the the major airports so that enough planes could fly in to deliver more steel. Wow. Um, so actually, I might I might love this movie if it, if it <laughs> helped to lift up the economy of Hawaii. Because what what other movies can say that? Like, this movie is like brought in so much industry because we need to yeah, build more of a whole <laughs> state. Build, yeah, build more roads to make this possible. <laughs> um, anything else on Waterworld? Um, I don't have anything, but I really want to know how that Ulysses cut is because I've been thinking about pulling the yeah. trigger on it myself. So please let me know. I'll let you know. Yes. I'll let you know. I, I was watching some of the deleted scenes on YouTube, and it was not impressive. <laughs> I was like, these deserve to be deleted. But, oh, goodness. But I don't know if it's um, like there's a difference between deleted versus, you know, broadcast, edit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, just one thing I have to mention. Uh, on the back of that car, was there a Nuke the Whales bumper sticker? Yes, <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't catch that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. What was with the just... music in that scene, too? Wasn't that like the, the – um, that was a theme from an old show, right, that it's playing there. It's like a cover of it. Did you guys yeah, catch that? I, I don't remember. Yeah, it is one of the – Spy Hunter? Was that the Spy Hunter theme? Or something like that. Is that the dun Something like that. Yeah. I think it's so. That's what's playing in my head. I don't know if that's. Yeah, yeah. That's what's playing. That was also. I think that was also later used for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy and SpongeBob. You're right. I believe you're right. It's so strange. Like, what is it there for? I don't know. Can't remember what I had for dinner last night, but I can tell you that. So on the soundtrack section of IMDb, there's only two things. Which says music box theme and Peter Gunn theme. Yeah, Maybe is yeah. Peter Gunn, Gunn the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a it. show from the fifties. Mm-hmm. That's it then. I'm gonna rad. listen to that on YouTube right now to make sure I know what I'm. Yeah, damn! If it just wasn't for those webbed feet in the gills, I would really, really enjoy this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the song we were thinking of, by the way. Nice. Yeah, Peter Gunn theme. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Well, AJ, what have you been watching this week? Well, I just wrapped up Severance, which I know I'm a little behind on, and I believe nice. you guys have talked about it in previous episodes, right? I have not seen it. Oh, yeah. man. I love Yeah, okay. I was the one. I am a, a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, I, I, I really, really liked it a lot. It, it, it checked off a lot of my boxes, and I just thought it was such a fun and interesting kind of story. I, I, I Yeah, Daniel... What's the whole thing? I know. I just don't have Apple TV. <laughs> See, <laughs> yeah, that was my big thing, too. I yeah. got some free subscription for like four months. So that was the first thing yeah, I watched same. with it. And yeah, and yeah I, I'm hooked on it. So that's that's basically all I've been watching. Though. What about you guys? What have I been watching? I, I rewatched Nope. I saw Nope in theaters again. Nice. Oh, awesome. I did pick up some more stuff on it. Uh, AJ, have you seen Nope? I haven't, but feel free to spoil it. I don't mind. Uh, no, I'm not going to spoil this movie for well, you, dude. It's, it's so good. It's great, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I do want to see it. You know. 
I will chef's kiss movie for sure yeah it it is worth a rewatch uh i i didn't go in i didn't come out of the rewatch like having had a completely new experience having a completely new understanding of the movie but uh i did like it did help me put together some things that i'd missed before make it did uh help me fill out some details regarding characters uh for example jupe um steven young's character like the he before he has his big moment later in the movie <laughs> when he's doing his live show i'm trying not to spoil anything <laughs> he whispers to to himself you're chosen and yeah, yeah. he also fix something i noticed this time around is he fixates on uh the number 613 he says so so this is not a spoiler at the beginning of the movie there is a an attack involving a chimpanzee mm-hmm. uh steven young describes it as six minutes and 13 seconds of madness or something like that yeah, yeah. later on in the movie before he does his live show he says it was at 6 13 p.m when i first noticed blah 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 and so i feel like him focusing on that number i don't know if the number 613 has any significance like any symbolic significance i think it's just he is fixating on this thing as like proof that he is chosen um because it is reoccurring throughout his life um so yeah i i think that character is probably the most interesting character in that movie um but uh yeah solid solid flick Go go see that AJ. Don't for sleep sure. on it. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard with kids, but I, yeah. you know, if I go see something, it's going to be that for sure. Get a babysitter. Yeah. Go see it in Dolby <laughs> if you can, or you IMAX. Go, Daniel, you babysit the kids. <laughs> yeah, Daniel, come down. down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you're in Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right on. Uh, Thomas, what about you? Yeah. Uh, this week uh, it was the Better Call Saul finale, mm. which is incredible. Just, just really, really fucking masterful television. Just they stuck the landing very well. Um, he was, yeah, just very much just like his character, kind of just driving this point home that like he is not gonna let go of this like criminal lifestyle that he's sort of like established and built himself into. And it just, just seeing him get to that end was just like just incredible to watch and bob odenkirk just did a fantastic job just just really really good performance and i hope you you get around to watching it because it's just really really good um so yeah happy yeah happy got, got, got i'm happy i got to watch that um oh. so as that should go ahead real quick i've gotten that recommendation for so many people you got to watch better call saul what really like got me in the mood to start it the other day was I on the side of a on the side of a bus? I saw an advertisement for a lawyer, and it had like kind of a cheesy slogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, "Dang, that kind of puts me in the mood to watch Better Call Saul." Nice, yeah, okay. it's good. It, yeah, it's yeah, so much fun. And then yeah, it just turns into just like a, a beast of a TV show. That's just like just just good, just good, good, a good time all around. So yeah, as that show's ending, uh, another really great show is coming back for a second season, uh, Reservation Dogs. I there was a lot of advertisements for it, um, and I totally forgot that it started like a, a week or two ago. So there's like four episodes out on Hulu, um, but I'm not going to binge through it. I think it's just one of those special shows that like if you just do it like one episode a week, it's just a nice little treat because it's just a great coming of age story. And I don't know, it, it's nice to kind of just like spread that experience out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, have that, that shows back and I'm really glad. Um, but also a movie recommendation that I was got from a friend um i've been talking about we sorry we were at our bachelor party at our friend's bachelor party 
in San Diego and I was talking about Macbeth from last year. I know mm -hmm. you liked that movie as well. And then a friend Trunks, he suggested that I watch Throne of Blood, because uh, the Kira yeah. Kurosawa uh, sort of adaptation of the story of Macbeth. And as HBO Max is sort of having this crumbling moment where this show, we don't really quite know what's going to be on the streaming service. Like right now, there's tons of classic Kurosawa films on there. And that's one I like, was putting off and I finally got to watch like a couple weeks ago. Just in, like a breathtaking movie, just like just very well performed. And just some of the photography is just like kind of like mind blowing. The fact that there's like these demons that are just like all like almost overexposed, but like they're just like surrounded by like the darkness of the forest. But just everything is still is like exposed. It's like just just right. And it's just like that masterful level of filmmaking that's like from the 40s and 50s where the, the craft was on an entirely different level and we talk about like practical effects where yeah it's like in those movies like if you have a japanese army guess what there's going to be an actual fucking japanese <laughs> yeah, army all decked out <laughs> in like costumes and shit and so when he's having like his breakdown at the end it's just like just so incredible there's just like just this haze of people like this haze of fog over like all of these like countless soldiers and it's just like it's, it's just one of those like things you just don't really quite get and if you know you can really go back and appreciate those movies it, it, it's always uh, an excellent watch and i'm looking forward to watching some more of those um but yeah i think that one is like a really high watermark for just like photography and just like acting and like japanese cinema i know it's a little contradictory i'm in korea uh, gushing over Japanese film, uh, films, but yeah, Throne of Blood is just like, it's like awesome. Just a really good movie. Great recommendation. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to make sure I get the actor's name in there too. Uh, Toshihiro Mifune uh, yeah. from like uh, Seven Samurai and uh, other Kurosawa films. Just, yeah, really great. Just sort of capturing that, like, that madness and the fact that it's in this like uh, traditional Japanese setting. It's, they, it's just like, they just have little fun things like uh, rains of arrows coming down on him as he's like he's sort of yeah yeah it's just it's just really great. Cool. Is that it? Right. So the... yes, it might be it for ninety seven. But next week we are going to be wrapping up our coverage of the Mad Max franchise with Fury Road. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. Some, some say one of the best action movies to come out over the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, all time, baby. Yeah, yeah. All time? <laughs> yeah. All time? All time, baby. It's up there. Yeah. I know we're going to dive into it deeper, but do you think it's the best one? I got to spend some time thinking about that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's tough. I think it, it could it could make a case for it, but it also is going to depend on what exactly you're looking for, what mood you're in. I mean, like, what is what goes up against it? Uh, well, if you're comparing that to The Road Warrior, that... Honestly, this like I would go back and forth about which one was my favorite. But the la this last time watching Road Warrior, there were times where I was just like, I kind of wish I was watching Fury Road right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, it's just such an assault of just everything. It's everything turned up to eleven. Mm -hmm. What goes up against it is The Matrix. Oh, the Matrix. Yeah, hmm, best okay. action movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And gotcha. then I'm, there's probably some martial arts, other martial arts movies that I'm completely forgetting right now, but. Terminator yeah, Two, yeah. Terminator Two is up there. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of Speed, but you know that's that's kind of okay. more unique. Uh, I've never seen Speed. Oh man, You're, Dennis Hopper, man, you gotta watch Speed. <laughs> we'll yeah, do a so maybe <laughs> just do Dennis Hopper films. So yeah, we were thinking like after 
episode 100, we, like, switch gears to moving away from franchises to just, like, themes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's um, a good idea. But maybe we, yeah, maybe we could do a Dennis Hopper series or something. I don't know. Do uh, Super yeah. Mario and Speed. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's like our buddies, uh, they have the, the horror throwdown podcast. Our buddy Trunks is on there. My friend Cisco, my friend Joe, they have a, a really fun podcast where they basically, each week they pick a horror film from one year and then a Brendan Fraser film from that same year. Oh, and see that's amazing. Brendan Fraser's character from his movie could survive that horror film. And I, don't, I, I think I just love the idea that it's the nerdiest fucking idea that's I've ever wacky. heard in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, kind of focusing on an actor for better or worse. Like, you know, it's like we're going to just stick with this actor's filmography and just, like, comb through it and just see, like, you know, what, what's the good stuff and what's the, the bad and stuff. And now he's know. got a new one coming out with Darren Aronofsky the whale yeah it looks good yeah. i hope it's, it's uh, i hope it's as good as gonna it looks. Be, yeah gonna be playing at toronto film fest yeah that, that looks awesome um yeah it'd be interesting kind of focusing on yeah themes or possibly actors i'd be down to do one of those things or both oh well, you know you brought up the fact that you guys are coming up on episode 100 and not only do i want to thank you for letting me on the show today but okay. I, just thank you for doing this guys like <laughs> you know i think back so like two years ago when you started i can't first of all i can't believe it's been two years yeah um yeah. But, you know, I think back to, like, those very first episodes and listen to them and where I was and, like, the time in my life listening to them. And it, it, not only is it fun to think back to, but it's also really cool on from this end of it to just, like, see how you guys have grown into this. It, it, it hasn't it been, like, this year. crazy change, but there, there's a – I don't know. I think you guys have really kind of figured out the groove. I love listening to your show every week. I, I hope you just I keep making it. it. Just cool, keep man. making it. It doesn't matter what <laughs> movies you do. Just keep <laughs> – keep watching movies and keep talking about them because it's something I look forward to and I know I'm not the only one. Um, but yeah, just thank you. Thank you for oh. taking the time to do this. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words, AJ, once again. I appreciate just want to echo that one more time. I appreciate everything you just said. That was really, really awesome. I really thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and you're welcome back on the show anytime. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, this has been episode 97 of Vague Zone. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. I promise I check it occasionally. You can tweet at us at Vague Zone. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or movie suggestions, let us know what to watch. I'll watch it. I'm up here in South Korea. All I do is watch things. All I do is watch things. All I do is watch things. Please <laughs> send me some recommendations. So yeah, next week, episode 98 with Fury Road. But yeah, I'm your host, Thomas. And I'm Daniel. Thank you, again, AJ. Thank you, AJ. You're welcome. We will catch you on the next one. Nicely done, gentlemen.